Are you ready to take your leadership and your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate, evolve, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world. And you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations to identify the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage those trends to create sustainable business and strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the U.S. and Germany. Welcome to Cynthia Cherry, who is the president and CEO of the International Leadership Association. We are broadcasting live from Brussels at the annual leadership conference. Thank you, Maureen, for being here with us here in Brussels. I'm so excited about the series of keynote speakers that we are able to present and that will give a timeless message around our topic and theme of leadership in turbulent times. And I'm very pleased with our conference chair, Jord Volkers from Deloitte University, the dean of Deloitte University, and his team who helped us along with the ILA staff to present this global conference in Brussels, Belgium in 2017. Leadership Association Conference, and my guest is Renz Van Loon. He's a professor and a consultant specializing in leadership and organizational change and transformation. In 2015, he was appointed the world's first professor of dialogical leadership in the School of Humanities at Tilburg University in the Netherlands, and he is a director of leadership within Deloitte. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about his background, and then we're going to go into the questions of what is dialogical leadership, and this segment will mainly focus on the theory of dialogical leadership, the practice, and the impact. So, Renz, thank you for being here. Thank you. Welcome. I love to be here. Do you want to tell us any more about your background before we go into dialogical leadership? Yeah. So, my background, I started as a philosopher studying philosophy okay. and I started studying philosophy and in particular ethics okay. and uh, I did my thesis, my master thesis in uh, also in ethics and um, uh, after that I, let's say, I started to do a project that is in fact basically uh, where I am now so it was, a, it was a determining project because what we did I was at that time at the Nijmegen University and we had a, a center for spiritual development in Nijmegen called the Hans Fortman Center. Okay. And Hans Fortman was a culture, the first cultural psychologist. So he wrote about East and West. Okay. 
So what he did, actually, he started writing about East and West. And that was at that time, so we had also a department of cultural psychology. Mm -hmm. And that's where I started to do research into the role that symbolism plays in your self-narrative. So there are people who say, I am like a tree. Or I love to be in, a, in an environment where you have the flow of a river. So can you explain what is a self-narrative? I don't know that Self-narrative. A self-narrative is if I ask you, like what you do now with me, you ask me about my life. So mm -hmm. what I'm doing, it is my narrating self starts construing a sequence in my life. That, that's a self-narrative. Mm -hmm. okay. it's, it's the narrative that you construct and reconstruct over time about yourself. Because, okay. and then we are all already in... Uh, a central thesis in dialogical self theory there is no self in itself so there is no core self somewhere in you but there is a self that you develop and redevelop construct and reconstruct define and redefine over time and it depends wh where you are in or your experiences mm -hmm. your thoughts and your feelings so what we did at that time, I started working with valuation theory and self-confrontation method to monitor, to register how your self-narrative, how the self-narrative of individuals change, changes over time and is influenced by, let's say, these symbols or, or uh, images that they have in constructing their life. And from that point on, I am fascinated by the, the dialogical self theory and we published on that theory in 1993 in the American Psychologist and that's on the dialogical self mm -hmm. where we say that the self is, is fundamentally open and so that's my background where I came from. I did a lot of work, uh, research and experience in building that up and I start applying this step by step on the context of organizations working with individual leaders and working with their teams and also working with entire organizations in trying to let's say apply this view on leadership uh, within the the context of mostly uh, profit organizations okay cool so it just it strikes me from developmental theory at the later stages I think most people believe, it, again at later stages, which is a small percentage of the population, everything is constructed. There is no truth. There is my observation of what happened, what I've experienced, and the meaning I attach to it is true for me. I would add one word to that. So everything we think about truth is relationally constructed. So it because it's not like I showed you mm -hmm. uh, the photo of my youngest grandchild. Mm -hmm. So there is no truth, no concept of truth in her yet. It will be over time and mm -hmm. mostly unintentionally, uh, relationally constructed and reconstructed between her and her environment. Her, primarily the mother, the father, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the grandmother, grandfather, and so on, and the family. So it's and. Uh, when you become older, like when you are at our age, for instance, you can also determine 
decide to really change something to say okay now mm -hmm. for instance like I am uh, trained as a philosopher that mm -hmm. there is a truth so in a classical sense that there is a truth and that you're able to know the truth so the paradigm shift to really acknowledge that you that you can't know the truth but that truth is always relation a relational construct individually between individuals and uh, culturally and in society mm -hmm. is a huge shift in in thinking and also in how you feel interestingly i've presented this to grad students this idea that there is no absolute truth there is relative truth so you may believe something is true and I remember one student being very angry with me. I'm surprised he didn't actually do something to damage me. He was so offended by the idea that there's biblical truth. And if that's true, it's not socially constructed. It's not relative. It's true. And so I, I imagine that this thinking uh, can create some pushback for some of your clients. Yeah, absolutely. So for instance, this morning when I did the session on uh, big data, I, I, I referred to a conversation that I had with the CFO, with the CFO and I said, uh, data don't exist. Then I, referred, <laughs> then I referred to the same thing. So data are always relationally co-constructed over time. So mm -hmm. data are human produced, eh? are human product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he said, Rance, please stop. <laughs> you can leave now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. But let's say he had difficulty uh, to really, to deeply understand what I meant by that. Mm -hmm. but because even if we talk about uh, that it is a relational construct, so, um, and this is a question I think also for the student that you refer to. Uh, people want to have, let's say, a, a point somewhere in themselves or in their environment where they can rely on. So the moment you say there is no truth, what happens? So if I look at how you work with students, but also with little children, mm -hmm. children want to have, let's say, a point of view that they say, okay, this is the point of view that we are holding now. And if you just take that away and say every time we have to reconstruct mm -hmm. and rethink, let's say there, there must be, there must be a, a, maybe that's another level and that's where I talk about developmental maturity. Yeah, yeah. For little kids, the, the truth is you don't play in the street, period. There is no relativity about that. Yeah. My children don't play in the street, or one's children don't play in the street. It's a bad practice. As we get more sophisticated in our thinking, as many of your clients and mine, they need to be more nuanced, and yeah. it can't be we don't do. In these situations, we don't do, and I continually reevaluate but I have to have the level of maturity to be able to hold the fact yeah. that there isn't a, that it's a relative truth. Yeah. So first of all, you have to to be educated, to grow, to be uh, let's say you, as I write in the book, you are born into a culture. Uh -huh. So you are born step by step. You you get into a culture. That's where you take in the truth, the truth or the rules, the the rules mm -hmm. in terms of how you think and feel. You take that in. Once you are a mature leader or a mature person, a grown-up person, mm -hmm. that, then you might be able to, let's say, add something to that or to regroup that. Mm -hmm. Many people don't do that. And that's where the developmental work comes in, that, that there's a, 
relatively small segment of the population who moves and who chooses in many cases, and our society doesn't necessarily promote this. And that's essentially the core of my work. The core of my work is that I uh, work with individuals and teams to, let's say, if you use the word rethink or reconstruct their self-narrative, mm -hmm. looking to the past, exploring the present, looking to the future, and rethinking what is truly important in my life. Where am I now? Who am I? And for instance, if, if somebody says, I am the CFO of this organization, and if someone identifies with that 100% and is, has a very uh, direct, uh, a very much on-push, authoritative style. Mm -hmm. But the same guy is at the same time a coach with one of his children in the hockey team. Mm -hmm. Or he is a bird watcher mm. in his free time. Yeah. As a hobby, he is sitting behind the bush and watching birds for hours, without doing anything, just watching the bird. Or he is a fisherman. So, my, uh, let's say, what I do with people, with, with leaders, is I ask them, could you please elaborate a little bit, how, what, how does the CEO, the CFO role, your leadership role, relate to the coach role? And relate to the birdwatcher's role? Mm -hmm. And then I ask, how can I see, how can I observe, mm -hmm. as one of your team members, that uh, the coach is present in your CEO role, and that the bird watcher is present in your CEO role. So by asking these questions, and that's essentially the, the core of the dialogical self theory, and also the dialogical dialogical leadership theory, mm -hmm. is that we try to, then I use the word reconcile, different positions within yourself mm -hmm. that you have very often unintentionally constructed over time, mm -hmm. and how you are able to bring them together. So, and that's a, an act of reflection, mm -hmm. and then I use, that's an act of relational reflection. So you do that together with somebody okay. who asks you these questions. So I ask him or her the question, if you look from this perspective, how is this present? And I also ask, for instance, are you colleagues able to observe this in you? So I worked mm -hmm. with a CEO who was a very straightforward, let's say, rational, cost-cutting, let's say, and very pushing uh, boss in the team. To me, he said, when I'm retired, I will be a teacher because I love to teach people. Mm. Then I asked him the question, and of course now I summarize this, but then I asked him the question, suppose I'm in your team, how can I observe the teacher in the CEO? What and did he say? He no. didn't have an answer. He didn't mm. have. So what he did Actually, in his thinking, he divorced, he separated the two. He mm -hmm. said, first of all, I am a CEO, and I will do my job, and my job, I mm -hmm. have to do it like this. When I get ready with that, I will, do, I will go to do something else, which is more for my heart. And what I did, and what you also could do, mm -hmm. because it's not because I'm so good, but it is because I'm you not him, I'm not him, I'm not his self. Right. I can look at how 
Is this what you want to reach after your retirement, already present mm-hmm. in your current behavior? And by asking that question, you, uh, as a matter of fact, what you do, the impact is that in his mind, two different aspects are recombined mm-hmm. that he normally tried to separate. And by asking the question, he started thinking about what is the relation between the two. He even sent me, after a few years, a thank email that I have asked this question. And by asking this question, the trust raised so high because mm-hmm. I did not push him to an answer, right. but I said, think about it. Perfect. Thank you. So let's go to break and we will be right back with Renz and Maureen talking about dialogical leadership. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf and Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf and Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You're joining Maureen Metcalf and Renz Van Loon, and we're talking about dialogical leadership. And so let's talk about the starting point, the kinds of questions leaders ask themselves to disclose to themselves their inner dialogue, interior dialogue. And these are also the questions you ask clients, right? Yes, these are the questions I ask. Dialogue uh, I ask clients, and uh, what we what we always want to reach when I work with clients, so uh, is that there is a an atmosphere for dialogue. So mm-hmm. first of all, what we do is we create a sense of trust. I am trained as a philosopher and as a psychologist. Most people, if they think about a psychologist, 
I did for 10 years in my life, assessment centers, is that they first of all start to do a diagnosis, to assess mm -hmm. you. So first of all, people have to get the feeling that you allow them to be authentic, mm -hmm. and to, to, let's say, to open up. That's the reason why I always, myself, that I'm too open in the relation. So it, in this sense is that I also share parts of my own history or parts of my own, let's say, functioning in my own organization. I've been a leader for many years too. I've been an owner of a company of, for many years mm -hmm. too. So I also share these insights during the conversation, if appropriate. So I don't start doing that myself, but mm -hmm. if it's appropriate, or for instance, that I have children and grandchildren and all these topics, or about discipline. And So for instance, in my book, after each chapter, I give a short, let's say, review, reflection on my own life, integrating the different aspects of myself over time from when mm -hmm. I was, let's say, mid-20 till now. And what I also try to show in my book by, by sharing that is how difficult it is. Because how just difficult it is to identify them or integrate them? Or not to identify them, but to integrate them to reconcile them, to bring them together. So, mm. for instance, I'm trained as a rational scientist. And I'm very good at rational analysis. And that's what I, that's why my professors at the time, they really wanted me to not go into practice because it's, it's more doing it in a theoretical mm -hmm. way. But, and I use the word but here, with, with purpose is that I'm also a very intuitive relational man but mm -hmm. I, I as a consultant for the first 15 years of my life it was very difficult in my professional life that it was very difficult to integrate the two and so not to identify that there was this part of me mm -hmm. uh, but how to bring that together how to bring that together so that it is not, uh, let's say, too artificially eh, brought in a conversation or in an interaction with a client, but really, truly, that they merge together. Uh, it took me until, let's say, mid-50s. Oh, really? It took that long to integrate? To really integrate. Eh? Because when I was 45, I thought I was already quite, quite <laughs> far. Eh? But... Uh, I had to be realistic. I sensed mm -hmm. after many years it's not it's not really integrated. It's it is let's say for forty or fifty percent. But now it's truly integrated. I wonder if I talked to you in ten years if you'd say well I thought it was integrated. Let's say in, in ten years it will be changed again. Of course, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. course, of course, of course. But the, let's say the fundamental. A discrepancy that I sensed when I was 28, mm -hmm. 35, 45, 55, that's really changed. And that, that discrepancy, unless, let's say, something terrible happens in my life, you don't mm -hmm. know. But normally when my life continues as it is doing now, let's say it's fairly stabilized and mm -hmm. fairly integrated. And I would say, being also over 50, that there's something that happened around 50 for me that did allow me to shift. And my vision of myself in some key axes changed. And that has rippled through every facet of who I am, how I show up, and certainly how I lead. Yeah. 
and that's the same with me so it's after 50 that I for instance also realized that uh, I only live one life mm -hmm. and the birth of grandchildren was very special for me mm -hmm. so uh, I describe that often as it's a gift of life where you can sense that your love how I love my children and the grandchildren is at the same level so that you're able to mm -hmm. so my family is now it's a big family and I feel uh, very much love for them and I, I realized it and I also realized that I cannot walk away from what is my and then I will not use the word true but what is my destiny or what mm -hmm. is my the course of my life and so uh, agreeing that your life has a direction mm -hmm. that there is a sense of purpose that there are values in your in my life that mm -hmm. I want to follow that also and they were integrated let's somewhere between 50 and 55 so how does that integration then connect back with organizational leadership so my assumption my hypothesis and my experience Mm -hmm. So it is my also my experience is that many leaders in modern organizations in, are not well integrated in these different aspects in their let's say their we technically we call it different eye position different facets of their self mm -hmm. and very often with people between 30 45 and 60 for the first time they talk about this at my table. Mm for the first time in their life. And for the first time in their life, they, they start thinking about, for instance, what I said, the hockey coach and the CEO role, mm -hmm. how they are related and how they could introduce the hockey coach into the CEO role. Mm -hmm. And that this would make them more effective, but also more authentic. Because very often they say, when I am at the field with my children, then I feel myself excellent eh? mm -hmm. when I am bullying, eh? when I am pushing my employees. It doesn't feel good, and so it's, <laughs> it's good that it doesn't feel good to be bullying it, your employees. It doesn't feel, because they also, when they are talking with me, they mm -hmm. understand that it is not the right style to mm -hmm. work, and may, maybe it works, but it is not the right style, let's say, to positively influence your people. So this is what we very often see: is that that people uh, become aware how they might, and this is also what from the dialogical self theory is our, is our assumption, is that you can integrate these quite easily. Why? Because they are not coming from a list that yeah. is not you. They are coming from somewhere in your system, but they have a position and then I make a hand movement and you can see that, but the mm -hmm. listeners can't see that, but it is, let's say it's behind the other hand so bring mm -hmm. it to this position so that they're side by side so you side by side instead of uh, mm -hmm. hidden behind the other one because mm -hmm. it is there huh? like when when a ceo has been a sportsman for 20 years mm -hmm. you can see it in his in mm -hmm. his nonverbal behavior I, I i mention here an example of one of the uh, the managers who always has been a black belt karate teacher so if you meet with a black belt karate teacher, you meet with someone who is physically, physically very, very present. While a technical engineer might be somebody who is rationally present, but not non-verbally present. 
mm-hmm. not physically present. Mm-hmm. But people very often don't know what they observe because they they meet with you as a rational engineer, as the manager of the organization. So they, the only thing is that they subconsciously get a little bit, let's say, uh, confused because the two images do not match. But mm-hmm. also internally, uh, we see that people struggle with this. And by having a dialogue, mm-hmm. a dialogue with somebody else who asks them questions mm-hmm. about these different positions, how to relate them, that's the mm-hmm. internal dialogue, mm-hmm. and also how they make that visible for the outer mm-hmm. world. So I want to move to the outer world, but I wanted to share, I did a voice dialogue practice where we were to identify different parts, and almost as if they were sitting in the room, and, and thank the different parts. So I've got the controller who makes sure I get up out of bed in the morning when the alarm goes off. And I don't always like that voice, but it makes sure that my day starts relatively functional. I've got the one who makes sure my clothes get put on and I get in the shower and all of those voices. And then there's someone who's kind and compassionate, but there's also the one with the whip that just kind of keeps me moving along through my day. And each of those voices seem important, if overused, damaging. And then there's... I don't remember exactly what we called it, but something like the synthesizer, kind of the overall. And part of what I remember about this process was how important it is for me to be kind to each of those. There's no bad voice. There may be overused voices. So there is a lot of similarity with voice dialogue, and there is a difference. And the the difference is, the most important difference is that dialogical self-theory is a fundamental theory about self because the risk of uh, the the different positions is as if you substantialize the different positions and ah versus yeah, coalescing yeah, yeah. yeah so it's always either internal or external mm-hmm. process of relational constructing so there is no fixed or deeper or higher ah sorry okay so there is a process mm-hmm. of reconciling or there's a process mm-hmm. of polarizing of a process oh. of complementing so the the fundamental view and this is what i really appreciate in the dialogical self theory is that uh, self is relationally co-created over time mm-hmm. and it is internalized and very often it is like made static so that you say this is how I am Mm. I'm rational no the little child just born she can go in all different directions Mm -hmm. of course there is a Uh a genetic uh, influence and so also and that's the risk of voice dialogue that Mm -hmm. there is uh, something like a higher integrating force in you Mm -hmm. when I go to the dialogical self theory and the dialogical leadership theory it is you have to create space in my book i use the word ma the japanese word concept ma right written as Mm -hmm. ma for that what we try to do in our in our work Mm -hmm. both internally conversation as in the external conversations is to create space in your mind in your heart and in your behavior, space, in the sense of ma, which is time, space, relation, and silence. Mm -hmm. 
Are you able to take the time? Masayoshi Morioka, who introduced the concept of Mari, one of, one of his studies, he said, are you able to take a pause? So when you are identifying yourself with your role of being an interviewer mm-hmm. or being an innovator or are you able to to build in a pause to take a pause and to just look at yourself being silent mm-hmm. in space and in time and staying in relation with yourself and stay in relation with the outer world so that's why I chose to let's say use this word as a core concept many leaders I work with they don't take the time to just sit and reflect and not reflect internally alone but reflect relationally because the questions that you ask me or the questions that I ask my clients Mm -hmm. are for them uh, new questions and nobody asks always the same question unless I read questions from a questionnaire and that's, and that's so in the, in, the, in, the, in the conversation, people mm-hmm. start thinking about, for instance, what I said, where is the teacher in the CEO? Nobody ever asked him this question. And no questionnaire could have this question. And if this question isn't a questionnaire, it's the wrong question because people say, oh, I'm not a teacher. <laughs> so it's only once that you can ask that question. And that created this space in his mind, this ma in his mind. And he could open. Mm-hmm. And people were able to observe it because he didn't want to work with his team at all. And after mm. this, he opened up and he worked with his team for many sessions. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And we talk about good coaching being having the right questions, but this seems to take it a much greater step. Yeah. So, and this is what we call uh, creating conditions for generative dialogue. Okay. The word I use very often in the book. And generative dialogue is a concept introduced by Ken Gergen, okay. the social constructionist. You could say what happens in a generative dialogue is new meaning arises in the relation between two people. So is that like um, David Bohm's dialogue where we do a circular? Yeah, yeah. Okay. so David Bohm. So I start with David Bohm. Okay. Then I go to Ken Gergen, Hubert Hermans, mm. and Masayoshi Morioka. So these four. And this is where Bohm... And what I like about uh, uh, Ken Gergen's theory and also the theory of Bohm is that Bohm uses the word thought and thinking. Mm. As in a distinctly different. Yeah, because thoughts are patterns in my head that mm-hmm. are already formed. While thinking is relationally emerging while we are talking. So okay. most of our concepts are what I said, the little child is, is just born. There are mm-hmm. no concepts. There are no mm-hmm. thoughts in her head. While in you and in me, we have lots of concepts, we have lots of thoughts. And the moment you start, like what I did, I start talking about dialogue, and you, uh, in your mind, pops up uh, voice dialogue. What you did is you brought it in our conversation. So by doing that, we were able to, let's say, talk about what does the concept mean. Most people don't do that. So most people, th- there is a thought coming up, mm-hmm. popping up in their mind, and they start defending that or pushing that through. So 
Generative dialogue is suspending your thoughts. First of all, listening, suspending your thoughts, showing respect. And only in the next process in the conversation, voicing what is on your mind. But not like what many people do. You make a statement, I say yes, but, and then I verbalize my thought, which is an old thought. Well, and what I like about that dialogue concept, and I'm certainly far from an expert on it, is by inquiring, by inquiring. I, yeah. I then open myself to shift how I see. So you've said voice dialogue has this over thing, and your dialogical leadership does not. And so now I'm left with the question, what do I think? And the process of exploring. So this is both in the internal and the external dialogue. So when we meet with a team, like what I describe in my book in chapter mm-hmm. 7, is that first, and we always start with the leader of the team, the mm-hmm. CEO mostly, is that he or she starts sharing his insights based on the dialogical leadership conversation. Mm-hmm. He, oh, they, so the, this is made more public. Yes, and... He or she is always free to share whatever he or she wants. So it's not prescripted. They have a list mm-hmm. and they share it. They share that list. But he or she is free. But what we want is that they share some insights with the people who listen and ask questions. Fascinating. So we're going to go to break here and we will be right back with what I think is an amazing conversation because I'm learning at this moment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Metcalf & Associates is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and business. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, Metcalf & Associates has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the perpetual capacity to identify and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. Metcalf & Associates offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com today. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. You're joining Maureen Metcalf and Renz Van Loon, and we're talking about dialogical leadership. So we talked a lot about the internal process, and then we moved to the external, and you talked about interviewing the CEO in front of his team, his or her team, and talking about them integrating and sharing their process with their team. So could you say a little more about that? Yes. I've had a conversation with each of the individuals in the team, Mm -hmm. and as a result of that, they have a more clearer view on, let's say, the organization of their own self in different Mm -hmm. aspects. And what what I do is I invite them to share this with their team. And what they want to share, they are allowed to free that to, to, to choose that themselves. Okay. Um, but the most important technique that we use is based on Bohm. On Bohm's dialogue technique is that they have to ask open questions without an assumption. Without an assumption, how do I remove assumptions from my head? Uh, or is it just the questioning process? Yes, yeah, so it's, you cannot remove assumptions from your head because they are in your head, in your okay. thought patterns. Okay. Uh, what you can do is, for instance, I can ask, how did you experience the last half hour? Or I can say, how, or I saw you non-verbally being a little bit nervous. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it an expression mm-hmm. of that you became angry or sad? Ah, okay. So, so the second form of question is that I start interpreting what you are doing, mm-hmm. but I can say, what did it mean? What did your nonverbal behavior mean? Or what, what okay. is the meaning of your expression of the expression of your face? So it's by asking this question you are free to answer whatever you want. Mm-hmm. For instance, when I'm sitting like this, you can think why are you in that closed position? But it also might be, you can say, what does it mean for you? I'm cold or I have pain in my back. And the reason why Mm -hmm. I'm sitting like this is that it gives me a little bit of feeling of strength Mm -hmm. uh, or of comfort. So what we do over there is we invite people to ask open questions, to suspend the judgment and to visibly show respect. And if they deviate from that rule that we agreed upon, there is a timeout and there is a reset. Then you ask the question again mm-hmm. or you make the remark again. So normally it takes a little bit of exercising and then people understand perfectly how this works. The fourth phase is that we invite people to voice what they want to say, what is on their heart. Eh? So voicing from the heart or voicing from the head, but that they are able to rationally and from their heart expressing what they want to say. And this process is a fascinating process because the questions that normally are not asked will be asked in the process, if it's not Mm. in the first time, because everybody of the team will be in front of the group and will go through that process. So again, for for listeners who don't know BOM and don't know dialogue, at least as I've done it, you go around the room and everyone speaks. You may pass, but that was generally frowned upon. So I may say, 
the same thing that you've said, but I don't say ditto to Renz. I say I all, I observe you being yeah, yeah, yeah. courageous in this moment. Yeah, and you are you. you I see you. I see you. This nonverbal behavior. What does it mean? Can you tell me something? Mm-hmm. And then you can say for me. It feels like as if you are courageous. Eh? Mm-hmm. It is, so by making this communication more explicit, the reason why we do this is not because of the technique, but to prepare leaders to more effectively deal with what we call wicked issues. Because if there is a wicked issue at your table, you have to be able to suspend what you are already thinking about that wicked issue. And wicked issues are things that I can't fix out there. It means I have to change myself. And wicked issues are problems that you can, or are issues that you cannot solve by just using your rationality. Okay. So it's you have to create relation. Uh, you have to, to dive deep into your values individually and as a group, as an organization. Uh-huh. You have to think and rethink what is our purpose, why are we here. So when you are confronted with wicked issues, like for instance terrorism, or like for instance a cultural change in the culture of the organization, you have Uh to fundamentally rethink what is, let's say, automatically programmed in your mind, in your heart, and in your nonverbal behavior. And that's why we practice this. So like what I described in chapter seven with the client is that we had several, the first four sessions, 24 hour sessions starting at five until next day five. And we have- Really, they worked for straight through the night. Yeah, let's say, so we, we have dinner till 10, then sleep, and then we start at 8. Oh, okay, so okay, they but don't... But it's 24-hour, hey? it's okay. a cycle of, 20, cycle of 24 hours, but of course there must be sleep. Okay, I've been in events where we didn't sleep, and no, I didn't know no, this was no, intended no, no, to... No, 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 but it's 24-hour evening, a day, and an afternoon. Okay. And after the fourth session, the only thing that we did was having conversations, discussions, or dialogues, or debates, mm-hmm on wicked issues. Mm. So each session was about a wicked issue. And this could be communication with other departments, mm-hmm. this could be developing software. So this could be because developing software might be a technical issue. But if you talk about something that is a taboo in an organization, mm-hmm. it is a wicked issue. And for a wicked issue you have to start opening your mind and sharing mm-hmm. and synchronizing or leveling and based on that you start working towards a solution and you don't start the first session with a wicked issue because people it's too much and people are not able to do that we started with christmas cards i think which took for stinking ever but the point wasn't the christmas cards the point was building the acumen to do this so that when we had other issues we could do it so and that's the reason why you have to I call this prepare the mindset Mm -hmm. of people individually for being intervened while they are in that session. That's the reason why you have to build trust and security. So because trust and security, so if I block a CEO who is never blocked, if I block a CFO, if I do an intervention, a timeout Mm -hmm. who is never timed out. Ah, uh, since he was But normally, Mm -hmm. normally this does not happen. So it's, and you cannot do that after the session. You cannot after the session give feedback because people don't remember exactly what happened. Well, if mm-hmm. you if you do the, the timeout real time, mm-hmm. you say, now stop, 
after the third word in the sentence, then people feel immediately, okay, something is happening. So this is the impact of what we are doing. So it's for individuals. They start realizing that there is no one, we call that container self as a leader, that is, let's say, the same over uh, the whole time of their career, but it is developing and, and evolving and very often unintentionally. So they do not by intention know what was or what would be the next step. So they reconstruct this afterwards. But there is more, and this is what we add in these conversations, Okay, is that we brought these different elements together. I use the word reconciling or in, in integration. So then let's talk about the impact. And we only have a couple minutes left. These are your most expensive employees. They're investing a lot of time and energy in this process so that they can solve wicked problems. So tell me, how would you want to explain the impact? So the impact is huge in this sense that they are very well paid. And by spending this time, they and this is also recognized by people in the organization, they act differently with one another and in relation to the organization. So because I think a characteristic of strong leaders in an organization that they dare to open their mind and suspend their judgment rationally, emotionally and non-verbally mm -hmm. while being in relation with people directly around them and in the, the whole organization. The payback is that they invest time mm -hmm. And if they are able, and how they are able to, and now I use the word ma again, to interject ma, to create ma in their thinking, feeling and acting when they are directly interacting with their people, that is absolutely the advantage of these programs. These, I, I should not say programs, but journeys, uh, mm -hmm. steps that we can take step by step. because. This is an example that I describe in the book, but we work with other groups mm -hmm. and we have only one or two sessions mm -hmm. and then they can continue. So it depends what is the, the level of the group, what is the level of coherence in the mm -hmm. group. And so for each organization that is different. Well, and why I think this is so valuable and I really appreciate the interview is we talk about wicked problems and we talk about stepping on the balcony and we talk about these conceptual ideas but what I haven't heard, and, and I haven't done interviews on this, is what does the actual technique look like yeah. that allows leaders to deal with the intractable problems yeah. where they need to change their mindset or their thinking or their nonverbals. But often the framework and the construct that are in their heads are outdated for the challenge they're facing. Yeah, yeah. So how do I as an individual yeah, yeah, and how yeah, do we as a collective yeah. move through that process? In the book I call this new challenges and old habits. Mm. So there are old habits in your mind and your behavior and your feeling and you have new challenges. So you have to readjust, you have to rethink, which is not easy. But if you're able to... It's painful, it's, it's difficult. So that's why you have to do that together. And the reason why I do not use the word interview, I use the word conversation and dialogue. So start a conversation 
and the dialogue, a generative dialogue, where there is new meaning emerging mm. in the relation. Yeah. While in an interview, you try to, let's say, to enable, to facilitate the other person to talk and to gather information. And this is about new meaning making. And it's about new meaning making. That is what we fundamentally call generative dialogue. Renz, thank you. This is brilliant, and I so appreciate your time. To make sure our listeners can follow up, can you give the name of your book and any kind of contact information beyond what's on the website? Yeah, so it's. Uh, I recently published a book with Springer, which is uh, entitled Creating Organizational Value Through Dialogical Leadership. The subtitle is Boiling Rice and Still Water, and you can already think a little bit about the meaning of this subtitle after what you have heard in this interview. And of course, you can contact me via email if you're interested in uh, working with us. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for joining us live in Brussels at the International Leadership Association Conference. In these turbulent times, investing time and energy to refresh and evolve your leadership skills becomes a critical success driver. I challenge each of us to consider the impact effective leadership makes on our lives and on the lives of the organizations we lead and the people that those organizations impact. Imagine what each of us can do as we work together to solve these big problems that impact us, together we can create a world that is more peaceful, more just, and creates more opportunities for everyone to thrive. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then. Drive and thrive and have a great week.